Good morning and welcome to episode 21 of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you for being here. Man, I'm excited. I'm loving doing these interviews. Are you enjoying listening to these? I, I love it. I'm loving doing them. So I'm, let's just get on with it here. Um, did you guys subscribe yet? New episodes every single day. So if you haven't had a chance yet, take a second now, head on over to iTunes or Spotify, wherever you're listening, and subscribe to this podcast. New episodes from amazing creatives, illustrators, artists, um, designers, creative directors, um, every single day. Awesome stuff. So today's guest is Nick Longo from Longo Designs in Los Angeles, California. He's also the co-host of the Deeply Graphic Design Cast podcast and another podcast called the Creative Course Podcast. This one's cool because I was listening to Nick's podcast, the Deeply Graphic Design Cast, long before I started the Quickie. Um, So thank you, Nick, for putting together such a great show for us to listen to and learn from uh, in the creative field. Now, One real cool thing that stands out in this interview to me anyways, uh, there's many things, but this one here was about where he started and I thought it was kind of unique. He started in toys and packaging design for toys, but not toys that you would find on like Toys R Us shelves and things like that, but toys for kids meals and cereal boxes. I just thought that's unique. It's a really cool place to start. Then after that, he moved into doing work with DreamWorks and Starbucks and Kraft Foods and then and then and then. The guy is super talented, does great work. Let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, Nick Longo from Longo Designs. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Nick, thank you very much for joining me on the show today. Are you ready for a Quickie? Dude, I I don't know how we're going to do this, but lightning round. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, let's dive in. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Sure, man. Uh, graphic designer by trade. Started in uh, packaging design for a toy company for many years. Uh, worked my way up to kind of our, our, our senior level um, VP of creative. Um, we did tons of stuff. We did every toy imaginable for like Taco Bell, Burger King, uh, Kellogg cereal, you name it. So um from pa- graphics to packaging to product, after all those years of corporate, I've said, screw it. Let me open up my own branding agency. Uh, that's what I did about seven years ago. Um, and we primarily work in food and uh, beverage packaging and also restaurant design. That's kind of our three big pillars that we circle in on 100 percent on. Uh, but we don't take no uh, we don't say no to uh, you know, other cool opportunities that come our way. Um, on the side, I teach uh, branding and graphic design at Cal State Northridge here in Los Angeles. And um, I also, like you, uh, I'm a podcaster and I do two uh, really unique ones. One's called the Deeply Graphic Design Cast, which is all about freelancers. And then we do another one called the Creative Course, which is all about building courses that we use in school and turning it into course-related things, very topic-driven. Very cool. Well played, man. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. So what was your childhood like? And do you feel that you had a creative childhood and what made it that way? 
Absolutely, man. Uh, my dad is was an architect, and so for me, it was awesome to see someone in with a reputable and real job with a future and with you know that you can make a living out of. Yeah. But it was still creative, right? Um, and the fact that it was like such a cool blend of that. And then my mom was a teacher. So there was this perfect balance that I'm like, so, so proud that I get to do both of these things right now. Uh, kind of in like, you know, tribute to what my parents did, but my, my childhood was sure. Like, I mean, like it was nothing but Legos drawing. I draw, I drew cars. Like I totally want to be a car designer when I was a kid. So all I did was things that were artistic and I was never good. Like it wasn't like, you know, You're I speak my I, language now, <laughs> dude, like I know so many other designers that they show their work when they were kids. And I'm like, you're fucking Picasso. I, yeah. I didn't know if I, I'm not sure if I got cuss on this or not. Sorry. Okay. But, um, uh, and then I look at my stuff and I was like, look, as long as I was just doing it, I was exercising creativity. And that, you know, when I found graphic design years later, it meant the world to me. Cause I was like, Oh, I get it. Now that's the road. That's the path I want to take. And I can make a living out of it. That's cool, man. I used to draw cars too. That was my thing. I would just draw Shit, cars. That's and awesome. they were horrible. Yeah, just Same. awful. Same. Yeah. <laughs> the biggest struggle that I had is I couldn't figure out how to go from tire to show space behind the wheel yep. and to the to like the wheel well. I just couldn't figure it out. And then my yeah. bumpers were always off and it's Damn. <laughs> it was always um scale. Scale was the biggest because I, I if people would look at my cars and be like, dude, those look like four by four tires on the on the subcompact car. I'm like I didn't know, but like you get better as you push and try. And I remember like, then I started tracing the outline of cars in magazines just to get the ratio right. And then I would redesign them. Like I had a ball with that kind of stuff. I still, I still am a huge car freak. So yeah. But then but, you see your first custom Honda Civic, you know, lifted with 44 inch tires. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, see, I had it. <laughs> I, I was ahead of the game, man. I knew <laughs> <That's> it. <right. laughs> so um, take us back to when you first started noticing design out in the world. What did you start seeing? Uh, well, even, you know, blending to the last question, I think, and we were just talking about this on another podcast a while back, was this idea that you remember logos and packaging of like toys that you you had as a kid. And I just remember logos like Atari or Mattel or, you know, Hasbro. And you remember these things because these were brands talking directly to you as a kid, you know, or whatever they were for you. And I remember going, I, I would draw things for my dad. And then one day I just made an advertisement for the drawing I made and I gave it a logo and all this other stuff. My dad just looked at me like, who, who the hell is this kid? Like, what, where did you come up with that? But I loved brand. I guess brand was, you know, it speaks to you from a very early age. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember when uh, I was kind of in college and trying to figure out what the major was going to be. And luckily I had a buddy who had discovered a graphic design class the semester before me. And when I saw it, I was like, that's when the, the light bulb went off and I was like, damn, that's, that's the career. I get it now. Like, this is who I, this is what I love to do and there's the job for it. I, and so, and I love seeing how that has blossomed in people. It is now much more of a reputable, um, field and industry for young kids to get into and their parents aren't looking at them like, oh damn, my kid's going to be an artist. It's not that you're, you're a marketer. You know, yeah. You know, I find in the world of the you know the ninety nine designs dot com and things like that, educating young entrepreneurs and young um, people in any field really about the importance of design mm -hmm. and the importance of investing in creative for your business, for your brand, for yeah, whatever yeah. it is. Uh, you know, it's really important. Hundred percent. Yeah. So then, what's been the most influential design of your life so far? Either something you've seen or something you've been a part of. 
Oh, wow. As far as being a part of, I've been, I could say there's been a few toy launches that in the past were so like, uh, beyond, uh, I don't even know what the word is. So, so just cool to see in the wild, like something when you got to see something that you did and it got multiplied or manufactured millions of times and it's in the hands of kids all over the world, like that kind of stuff was pretty remarkable for us. So certain toys that we got to, you know, touch based on movie properties uh, in the past, uh, getting to see them when they were on TV and they were like at Toy Fair and all that other stuff that that to me still were some big some big time things where you're like you kind of have to stop and go like, wow, man, I was so fortunate to be a part of this thing. Right. Like you bring your talent to something, but it's always t- timing and luck play a big role in a lot of those things too you know um and and i love when i see either students of mine or someone now uh getting to do something and then they see it on the shelves or something that's a big deal that's really cool so do you ever run into creative blocks and how do you get past them every week (laughs) (laughs) i'm in one like right now like I, i you know and i think everybody has their own like way to attack it and get back into it. To me, sometimes I think it's just as simple as that's telling you, you got to take a break from it. Uh, when you do this like morning, noon and night and you talk it and you teach it and you podcast about it and you speak about it after a while, man, like I, I was just thinking the other day, I was like, I've, we've done pitched almost six new brand identities in just the last month. Wow. And I'm like, I'm burnt out. I and I, I guess I've still got two more to do by Friday. And I, I, it's going to come. I know it will. Uh, I think it's about taking that break, walking away from this stuff, doing some sports, doing some activities, whatever it takes to clear your mind and then come back and be like, uh, and, but to me also, you got to get inspired too. So maybe that's a walk through target or, uh, going through to a hip new spot. That's got some great branding that you can kind of experience because I think that's the other thing. You can't just be a builder of it. You've got to be a participant of it as well. You've got to mm-hmm be out there and absorbing other good work out there. And I, uh, the, you know, I know most people and on a daily, you might go to Instagram or something else or dribble, but I'm learning that I'm trying to stay away from that because all you're seeing is the five or six things, trends that are rising to the top. And I don't want to see those. So it's kind of like, that's where I've draw the line a little bit with needing a, a, a little boost in my, my, when I hit a block. You know, that's interesting you say that. I'm going to I'm gonna skip one question and go back to it because you kind of touched on it already. Sure. Um, on social media um, and yeah. how it's sort of changed design and the process of design. Um, mm-hmm. Do you feel that it's beneficial or harmful? It's both because it's beneficial in a way where, yeah, you've got to play the game. Uh, I, I, I think it – I don't get business from, let's say, Instagram. Mm-hmm. I get it from my reputation, my referrals, and um, the networking I do. But mm-hmm. I'm assuming – when people do want to check you out, they want to see your credibility. So they, they're going to look there. So I keep that active as well. I think I'm getting really burned on the fact that it's, it's like that um, necessary evil. It's like you got to do it to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. But um, and I, and uh, it's just I hate because what happens is it, the likes and the and the retweets and all those things only rise the things that are are almost vanilla and almost uh, the trends gone when they hit it to a certain point. So I don't want to participate in that 
part really anymore. Um, but on the flip side, it's amazing too, because of the community. I mean, like you and I kind of connecting through it and others and uh, the people that I have on a daily basis. Um, I have a group of friends that we do a Skype call almost every night when anybody's working late. And again, we've all met each other through Instagram and all these other things. So the benefit on that side is truly remarkable, but what it's doing to us, I think as an industry, uh, yeah, it's like on both sides, bro. I think it's 50, 50. It's like, harm and benefit Definitely. in every aspect. Yeah. That seems yeah. to be sort of some of the common, um, the common feelings on it for sure. I bet. So then what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Oh, the learning curves I think were of starting the own, your own business, I think for sure. And I came from corporate worlds. I came from corporate budgets. I came from, you know, having, at one point, 30 designers on my team and, and, and supervising them. And that was perfect. It was great. You rise to that area, you figure out how to do it. Then you start doing it on your own and you're like, you think you know everything and you just don't. And that's why I really, I don't encourage a lot of young designers right out of school to maybe go right into it unless they've got some insane talent that people are lining up for and it's working for them. Go get the, you know, talk to others, have a mentor, figure out how to do it. But for me, man, here I was thinking, I know everything about it. I've dealt with budgets 10 times this size. And I still was sitting there going like, what the hell do I do? You know, uh, finances, uh, contracts and agreements, um, you know, keeping up with payments from people and all you're, you're playing every single role. And I know this is a very vague answer to a, a pretty specific question, but I think you know, on the creative side, man, whatever challenge hits my, my desk, I'll find a way around it. It might mean digging deep, finding some some really good people to help me out with it. But those other things on the business side were so difficult. Like yeah. then you're trying to market yourself at the same time and you're answering 300 emails a day and you're doing all these things. Those to me were the biggest challenges. And and I'm still I'm still fine tuning it, but you get better with and I'm sure you've appreciate you appreciate this too or you've heard this. If you get burned in one of those areas, meaning like some client just stiffs you on something and you're out a lot of money. You have to react to that. and You have to build a better client contract and agreement that yes. there's no way it could happen again to you. Yeah. Now, I could I could preach to someone saying, make your great contract, whatever, and they won't do it until they get burned. And so I, I realized you, when you learn it and it hits you hard, you're going to find a way that it'll never happen again. Yeah, that terms and conditions page, I always say it, it's filled with horror stories. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what? who is a designer or brand that you look up to or closely follow, and what is it about them that you like? Oh, I'm going to go with brands, I would say. I, I'm, I, I love new and fresh upcoming brands that change the game and, and become the – you know, they took a chance. They did something that was off the 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 the, the path where everybody is. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, you could look at brands like Chobani that changed the game last year with their rebrand. And in a world where everybody was going this lookalike sans serif, just Google Dropbox, I can go on and on and on. Uh, Chobani comes out and says, "We're going to do something totally different." And and within. Five minutes, I had every client in the world going, we want something like Chobani. I'm like, well, we don't <laughs> we don't copy anything. Yeah. And also, you, why would you want to copy anything? You want to be just as pioneering and just as of a, of a maverick in brands. So it was a great lesson to see brands like that take off, 
be so accepted and loved uh, by consumers, not by other designers too. That's, I think that's something we got to take out of the equation here is that mm-hmm. I don't care what other designers think of my designs. It's only what the the brands I'm doing and the consumers we're going after are. So I'm a big fan of those brands that are doing it right, are becoming huge brands based on starting from scratch, mom and pop businesses and becoming big, big brands. So those to me are the most inspiring. It's interesting you say that one because Leland from uh, Chobani, I'm introducing him at Design Thinkers uh, at the end of May or next week. Nice. Very cool. talk there. Yeah. Yeah. I should also mention another cool person that and he, he's really a good blend between brand and person is uh johnny cupcakes yes. that guy is just so remarkable and i met him at adobe max last year and the guy is just such a positive optimistic good dude and he's he's not only putting great product out there but he like shares his frustrations he shares his challenges and his triumphs and i love following people like that you know, more so than like, even like, you know, like I love the work that they're putting out. It's stellar shit, but it's more about what he's doing uh, to other designers and to specifically like young students. When my students met him, they were like dying. And I was like, I love people like that. That, that to me is totally inspiring. That's great. Yeah. Um, so then take us to a project or a design project or something you were a part of that mm-hmm. did not go well or bring the desired results. And what was that like? What did that feel like? Gosh, yeah, there's been a few, and I think um, I'd say, ooh, I'm trying to think of the one or two that were probably not. They were probably early on in the in the in the career where I was kind of not maybe took on something bigger than I could actually handle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, to be honest with you, I think the best thing to do on any situation like that, I don't want to like name a specific, but what you have to do is kind of understand that it was probably a lot your fault in a way. And I think when you can kind of look at something and say like, wow, that was where I, you know, I dropped the ball. I'm never going to, unless a client completely just does something so 180 and bails and, mm-hmm. and is so whatever, I still can look at it and say like, well, maybe I should have read those signs at the very beginning and maybe bailed out of that project or something. But if something fails or something kind of is not quite to the level, I, I, I really would love it to be. I just, use it as another exercise to look at and be like, okay, where did I miss the mark? Where did, what did I not do? Was I not proactive enough in emailing back? Did I not stand up for the, the initial design and say, nope, this is the only one I'm recommending. If you want to, if you want to take it somewhere else, maybe we should, you know, sever, uh, our, ter- your terms here, you know, or something, uh, and really understand that. Now I'm, I think that gives you the confidence that when a client does try that again, now you can, you could politely just say like, well, you know, this is why you're hiring me. I'm bringing my expertise and my level of kind of understanding of this industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that, if that's, if, if we don't mesh here, you know, then maybe we're not the right fit. So yeah. it's more about what you do with it now, because, uh, you, you gotta be a little more open to understanding that a lot of it could have been something you could have like erased right from the very beginning. That you know, it was tough to spot in the beginning. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. But uh, now you look back at him and you're like, oh, God, there's the there's the moment right there where I should have sent an email or said something. And um, it's that it's that whole go with your gut thing, man. That's like every time a mess up like that happens, I always just smack myself on the head and be like, well, you 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 had a red flag. You saw it. You should have gone with that gut. Yeah. You know, oh, that's so true. 
Um, so what on mm-hmm. the other side of that, we talked about, you know, the, the rough one yeah. that didn't get you the desired result, but what's a project that you've mm-hmm. been a part of that you are the mm-hmm. most proud of one that just makes your heart sing or the biggest design feather in your cap? Yeah, I, I think, uh, I have two really solid ones that have been very recent. The first mm-hmm. one was about a year ago. We finished, uh, our first brewery and we did cool. a complete redesign, a brand from scratch, naming it, IDing it, branding it, packaging, interior, sales, uh, collateral, menu boards, uh, the truck, everything, man. And it was just, they, they become like family, uh, the, the client. And it's just a, it's just a great one. They're out here in LA called 14 Cannons and it's still an ongoing thing. And we're doing like collectible, uh, 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 cans for their limited release. So to me, I can bring friends and family there when they're out of town or, or whatever uh, from out of town. And I can bring them to a place and say, bam, like, here it is. Like, look at, look at this kind of, uh, this project, you know, it's like a physical space and I kind of love that. Um, and so that one's number one. And number two was this huge one we just finished for Sears and we were able to redesign the entire, uh, diehard brand. Uh, from scratch again, it started as a uh, a very simple deck that they just wanted some exploration and some ideas of what the brand could possibly be. And it turned into a whole eight-month project where we rebranded the entire thing, uh, gave them in-store experiences, packaging rebrand. Uh, it, the end result was like an 82-page uh, brand guidelines. Wow. And so it was th- to see that when you are with the client and let's say it's the smallest of jobs and it doesn't matter who the, the, the client is, if you, if you put kind of like, and again, it was your gut, you know, listening to it. And I remember sending that email going like, well, what if we talk about packaging? Would, would that be something you'd be interested in? Like adding to this project and the scope of services, man, just kept building and building. Yeah. And, and you realize when you get someone that has some budget, uh, that now's the time to really, push and and build a a solid relationship with these people and let them know what you can do for them don't don't ever assume right like how many times have you, you do a logo for someone and they look like and they're like hey do you know someone that could do packaging and you're like uh yeah me <laughs> you know <laughs> it was i not clear <laughs> totally that's totally the yeah. thing because how many times you know are you if, if you don't ask those kind mm-hmm. of questions you could be leaving you know on the business side you could be leaving things on the table opportunities on the table yep. the other side of that if a client comes to you and asks for oh we just need a new logo and you look at it and you go oh man these guys need more than just a logo they need yep. a brand refresh they need a website they need all of these things you know it's almost on you to go back to them and say yes i can do this logo for you but it isn't going to be in your best interest to stop there and here's yep. the reasons why yeah right? That's why we hire people in different industries for different things is because everyone has a different expertise. Yep, exactly, exactly. And I think also too for designers, specifically young designers, to don't just be the guy or girl that someone comes to for a logo. Tell them, I, I'm your branding specialist. I'm your design consultant. Whatever you need, we it, sh- it could come through me and my small team or just myself and we'll figure it out. So it's, it's just good advice to kind of not just do a logo for someone, but give them the whole brand standards, right? Give them the entire, uh, turnover package of all the files. Like, and then that allows you to kind of say like, instead of 200 bucks, maybe it's a thousand dollars now. Like you can raise your rates by becoming a bigger, more full scope kind of designer. Definitely. Yep. Yeah. Well said. 
Uh, I wanted to just kind of go back to the beginning. You had mentioned that you did a number of toy designs sort of for yeah. corporate earlier on in your career. Which yeah. one of those sticks out as, as your favorite or the most memorable to you? I I have one specifically. We were um, we had a boss that was very like would drop in every once in a while and be like he just give us his two cents on what he wanted the company to do. And he came in one time and he's like, I want you guys to land this one account. And he gave us this account to land the uh, this huge account for Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And it was like we were going to have to do the toy for the parade and uh, the mascot and everything. Yeah. And and. Our company had very little budget. I was it was myself and one sales rep, and the two of us worked tirelessly for almost a year. Everything was on spec, right? Like we had no guarantee we were going to land this project. And it was two trips to China. It was about three hundred prototypes, wow. all for for a Snoopy, just for a freaking Snoopy. And I started. I knew that character in and out, man. And we were working with the team at. United Media and they were kind of we were partnering together to say like this is the one you should do and when we finally got it it was like eight months of just tireless work over and over and over again taking it home every night like emails with our factories in Asia making sure every sample was fantastic and perfect because man Macy's was a stickler of a client this was their centerpiece for the entire year right Mm -hmm. it's the one product they really kind of make everything else they make or they sell is something they buy right so when we got it and then we got to go to the macy's day parade and we got sit in the vip section and saw the the big snoopy go by and you know the big boutique they made that was by far one of the most like proudest moments just because it was more than design it was like it was guts and like determination and freaking stamina and all that other stuff, you know, <laughs> um, it was a blast. I, I still, and I still have the Snoopy like in my office, like it's been forever, but I love it. Yeah. Man, what a great story. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to sort of wrap up with one last question here. What is yeah. one design product tool website or community that you just cannot live without? Ooh, man, that's a good one, dude. Um, I'm a big fan of blogs and and things that like get uh, people's opinions and things like that, which is so design, you know, like, like, it's like, you know, like, uh, they have like a design Twitter. It's kind of like, you know, that community of all of us that want to be able to just say our, our piece and leave, but like things like under consideration, brand new are there's, it's like one of my favorite websites. So check out. Uh, the way they review brands, the way it brings brands into the the, the foreground. I think it's really awesome to see that it puts a spotlight on what we do a little bit more than anybody. And it's a great tool to use in class. And when I show my students, it's like, look at this. This is these this is the the examples of what we should be looking at, good and bad. You know, yeah. um, I love things like that. And I even just like tools that are small like i found this one thing called the uh, it's called the logo package and it's this uh plugin that allows you to once you're done and finished with your entire logo uh id for a client mm-hmm. it helps you build the entire turnover package uh in like one click and it's one of the best little tools i've been using uh in the last few months so that one's probably one of those ones where i'm like game changer I need it. <laughs> Interesting. That was Logo Package. It's called. Yeah, Logo Package, and I think it's logopackage.com. I I think we'll I'll follow up and just kind of double check on that. But um, 
let me see. I'll do a quick little thing here. Yeah, thelogopackage.com. And basically, it will take your entire thing and export and sort all of the files in whatever you're using. You know, if you need digital, it does a whole digital package. If you need print, it will do a whole print package. And it's just one of those game changers. It used to take you, what, like, you know, three or four hours to put that whole package together. And are you really building time for that? You know, it's like one of those things um, that we all kind of deal with. You use this and it really streamlines the process. You can do it in like 15 minutes. That's awesome. Yeah. Nick. I like to spread the word about that. That's great. I love (laughs) that one. Thelogopackage.com. Yep. Perfect, man. Perfect. Hey, I just wanted to say thank you very much for your time on the podcast today. I really appreciate you coming on. Oh, dude. I appreciate you reaching out, man. All right. Just Dave hopping back on at the end here. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode from with Nick Longo from Longo Designs. Great stories. Love chatting with this guy. I love his energy. And the tool that he mentioned in the end, thelogopackage.com. Sounds cool. Might save you some time. Now go and have yourself a wicked awesome Friday. Take care.